transmitting live from the heart of Times Square on 99.5 FM WBAI New York, Pacifica Radio for the Tri-State Area. This is Trump Watch, a weekly series examining how President Donald J. Trump and his administration are changing the world we live in. I'm your host, Jesse Lent. Conrad, Tokyo, Sparrow, Pistachio, just done national. Dog is off sabbatical. Rather watch an exigent. Politician, politician, CNN and all this. Guan, yo, move with your f***er. Trump and an SNL hilarity. They're hundreds and hundreds of miles you know away. That, that's I not an invasion. Should, honestly, uh, I think you should let me run the country. You run CNN. All right. And if you did it well, your ratings well, let me would be ask, much better. If I, if I okay, may ask enough. one other question, Mr. President, if I may, if I may ask Peter, one other question, are you worried? Of, that's enough. That's Mr. enough. Mr. President, I, that's well, enough. I was going to ask one of the, the other folks. That's had, enough. Pardon me, ma'am. I'm, I'm, Mr. Excuse President, me. That's enough. Mr. President, I had one other Peter, question, if I may ask, on, on the Russia investigation. Are you concerned that... That you may have I'm not concerned about anything with you the Russian investigation because it's a hoax. Are you, That's enough. Put down the mic. Mr. President, are you worried about indictments coming down in this investigation? Mr. President. I'll tell you what, CNN should be ashamed of itself having you working for them. You are a rude, terrible person. You shouldn't be working for CNN. Go ahead. I, I think that's unfair. You're a very rude person. The way you treat Sarah Huckabee is horrible. And the way you treat other people are horrible. You shouldn't treat people that way. Go ahead. That was President Trump verbally sparring with CNN chief White House correspondent Jim Acosta at a press conference back on November 7th, footage courtesy of CNBC. What you can't see is a female White House intern attempting to wrestle the microphone out of Acosta's hands. That night, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders shared a doctored video clip of the incident edited by longtime InfoWars contributor Paul Joseph Watson that appeared to show a more aggressive interaction between Acosta and the intern before being debunked in a frame-by-frame analysis with the original footage from the social media intelligence firm Storyful. Hello and welcome to Trump Watch. So why are we revisiting an interaction in the White House press briefing room, long forgotten in the daily onslaught of the Trump administration? As viewers following the Acosta incident know, his confrontation with the president led to his White House press pass being temporarily revoked before a federal district court ordered his press pass temporarily reinstated after CNN filed a lawsuit. The Trump administration reinstated Acosta's press pass permanently following the court decision, and CNN dropped the lawsuit on November 19th. That same day, The White House Deputy Chief of Staff for Communications, along with Huckabee Sanders, released new guidelines for journalists covering the White House, limiting follow-up questions and threatening more restrictive action possible in the future. Tonight, just under three weeks since the rules were issued, we examine if these new rules are changing the way White House press pool reporters operate and what they say more generally about this administration's relationship with the press with a member of the White House press corps, Anita Kumar. We spoke earlier today. Joining me now is Anita Kumar, White House correspondent for McClatchy News. Hello, Anita. Welcome back to Trump Watch. Thanks so much for returning to the show. Sure. Thanks for having me again. (laughs) Since the last time that you were our guest on Trump Watch, you celebrated an exciting career milestone, becoming the first Indian American board member of the White House Correspondents Association. First of all, congratulations. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. And can you tell our listeners exactly what the White House Correspondents Association or the WHCA does and what your role is as a board member? Sure. So the White House Correspondents Association, most people will know it because we put on the dinner that is on TV in late (laughs) April or early May that the president generally comes to. Um, and there's usually a comedian there, and generally the president also tells jokes, and it's generally on C-SPAN. Um, so we we do put on that dinner, but what we do is so much more than the dinner. Um, basically, we are the liaison between the White House and the White House press corps on just things that are everyday, small things that really you know, make it help us do our jobs. And so it's all these things about when the president is giving – a speech or um, going somewhere, we help facilitate which reporters can get into the room, like, you know, how many how many seats there will be in a room where he's doing a press conference, um, when he travels, the same thing, all these logistical little things we deal with. And it's so many things more than I ever thought possible. Um, you know, a lot of the things that we deal with are with the pool. This is the small a group of reporters that travel around with the president or go with him wherever he goes. Um, all A lot of reporters take turns doing that, and we facilitate all the scheduling and and for that. It sounds really mundane, and it is, but it, it, it helps us do our jobs, basically. Um, and then, um, you know, there might be some other things. We might put on events and do some other things, but really it's about access to the president. How can we get better access to the president? So there's nine members um, on a board, and then and then the, including the president, and each of us serves on different committees um, that that do different things. So um, I'm on a three-year term. All the terms are for three years. What do you think it says about the state of diversity in the White House press pool that you are the first Indian American to become elected to the board of the WHCA? This is undoubtedly good news, especially considering your gifts as a reporter, yet it did take the organization over a century to do this. Yeah, I mean, I have to say in general, the White House press corps um, is generally not that diverse. Now, I don't mean with gender. I think there's a lot of women there. Um, There's a lot of men, there's a lot of women. So I think that's pretty equal. I don't know what the numbers are. But for racial diversity, it's not diverse. But I would say in a lot of big um, newsrooms, some of the bigger ones and the most prominent newsrooms, I feel like it's not as diverse as it should be. And, you know, people have written some stories about that. So I would say the White House press corps is not as diverse as it should be. But I do think it's really telling. Not only am I on the board, there's also uh, an African-American woman on the board from the Daily Mail. Um, so that the fact that we have two people elected at the same time this year, I think was pretty great and pretty telling, showing that the membership is getting more diverse and then the board's getting more diverse. On November 19th, President Trump's communication staff released a new policy for reporters like you covering the president. They included rules for press conferences, including, quote, a journalist called upon to ask a question will ask a single question and then will yield the floor to other journalists and at the discretion of the president or other White House official taking questions, a follow up question or questions may be permitted and where a follow up has been allowed and asked, the questioner will then yield the floor How rare is it for White House staff to release new rules like this for the press pool? 
Well, so I've been there six years, and I've never seen anything like this until that day <laughs> that you mentioned. So I didn't see anything with the Obama administration like this, and I and I didn't, didn't see anything like this with the Trump administration in the first you know couple of years until that day. Um, I just in talking to other reporters who have been there longer and covered other presidents, don't know of anyone who's really seen anything like this. So I would say it's pretty pretty rare. But the circumstances that came that brought it about were pretty rare too. <laughs> Um, and that was having their uh, credentials revoked by the White House, and then going to, you know, and then the reporter from CNN going to going to court over it. Right. This is, of course, Jim Acosta from CNN, who had a heated exchange with Trump, uh, where he was uh, trying to ask questions about immigration, uh, the situation at the border, and then the special counsel. And Trump went on a bit of a tirade, uh, calling him a very rude person. Right. That's right. Um, this was at one of his, you know, one of his press conferences, a very lengthy press conference where he answered a lot of questions, but that really clearly, you know, irritated him. But more than that, it irritated, uh, you know, his staff, his press staff, who felt that he wasn't being treated um, with respect. And this is not a new thing. We've heard, um, you know, from the press staff that they feel like there shouldn't be, you know, people screaming uh, questions that reporters shouldn't scream questions, or they should stop their questioning when it's clear that he's not going to answer, and and that sort of thing. So this has not been new. This has been a frustration of the Trump White House since since they arrived. And to fill listeners in who might not have been following this entire story, it resulted with the Trump administration temporarily revoking Jim Acosta's White House press pass uh, after he failed to yield the microphone to, I believe, a White House intern who was sent to try to. Uh, take it away from him. A a federal district court ordered Acosta's press pass temporarily reinstated after CNN had filed a lawsuit. And then the Trump administration reinstated it permanently following the decision and CNN then dropped the lawsuit. Were you in the room when the skirmish we're talking about happened between President Trump and Jim Acosta of CNN? No, one of my colleagues was actually there, so I wasn't there. You missed uh, an exciting moment, it looks like. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) How much discretion does the White House have in approving and revoking press passes? Can they revoke them at any time for any reason? Well, I guess the court showed that they couldn't do that. I mean, you know, I just don't know. There's been some, you know, there's been some litigation over this. um, And when this happened, you know, it was sort of, you know, it was surprising to me what, you know, I just didn't know what was going to happen. But I think the judge and the court ruled pretty quickly. What surprised me about this, and I don't anyway want this to happen, is I'm surprised that the White House dropped it. I mean, you can always appeal a decision, and, you know, their language had been so strong before that I actually thought they would pursue it. I, of course, don't want them to do that. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy with the outcome. I thought Jim should have gotten that revoked, um, and I didn't think he should have it. Uh, you know, taken away in the first place. So, um, you know, so I was happy with that. I just was surprised, given their really, really strong language against the media, that they didn't do that. And I guess these new rules that you were asking about, maybe that's what they decided. Well, we're not going to appeal. We're going to let Jim have his his uh, credential back, but we're going to impose these rules. And they did come out the same day that Acosta was had his press reinstated, right? Under- right. And you... Yeah, and it came out very quickly. And, you know, obviously you mentioned the White House Correspondents Association. We did not, you know, our President Olivia Knox put out a statement. We were not um, 
did had not, had nothing to do with them. I mean, I, I'm sure we would have liked to have a conversation, but they came out quite quickly, and there was no sort of opportunity for us to get involved. Right. This is, of course, uh, the president of the White House Correspondents Association, your organization, Olivier Knox, who issued a statement that same day saying for as long as there have been White House press conferences, White House reporters have asked follow up questions. We fully expect this tradition will continue. We will continue to make the case that a free and independent news media plays a vital role in the health of the republic. So obviously the White House did not reach out to your organization before these rules were issued. Has there been any attempt since then to reach any kind of a compromise or clarify any of these new rules for reporters? Well, well, let me be clear. We're in constant contact with the White House about everything, right? So we've had meetings since then um, about, you know, for example, the president's trip to Argentina he just took and, and various other things. And, you know, some of the board members are in contact about very specific things. As far as I know, uh, there's been no... Um, follow up on this particular thing. Uh, you know, they may have reached out to Olivia. I'm not. I'm not aware of that. Um, but you know what's been striking about this is after this, these rules came out, we heard, we saw some stories written about it. We saw people, you know, reporters not happy about it, and then it quickly sort of went away. I mean, it was almost as if the next day. And I and I don't mean from a correspondence association perspective. I just mean from a White House press corps perspective. People were talking about it for about a day, and it's sort of gone by the wayside. We haven't really heard anything else about it. And, you know, I mean, if there, <laughs> I guess there hasn't been a lot of opportunities for them to enforce this, right? There haven't been, I believe there's been one briefing with Sarah Sanders, the press secretary since then, and there's been no press conferences with the president. So maybe they just, you know, this the opportunities for this discussion haven't come up because there hasn't been a press conference, but I haven't really heard anything about it. And so you're saying that in the little over two weeks since they've been issued, it's as if they had never come out to begin with. No. As I mentioned, Sarah Sanders had uh, one briefing with reporters, I believe, since then. And Jim Acosta was there. Uh, there were a lot of questions, all as there always are, because she you know, briefs so infrequently now. It's become almost like once a month at this point. And, you know, people ask follow-up questions. I did not you know, sort of see her giving them the signal that you can ask a question. I think people just naturally ask follow-up questions, and I think they're going to keep doing that. She didn't put, she didn't tell them that she wasn't going to do it. So, I mean, I didn't really see this in force. Now, you you might argue, and maybe the White House is saying, that wasn't really a press conference. We don't call that a press conference with Sarah Sanders. Maybe they're just referring to presidential press conference. But honestly, if that's what they're referring to, there are barely any of those. I mean, President Trump has had only a couple uh, solo press conferences. Now, he does do the traditional press conference when foreign leaders are, are visiting, not every time, but for a lot of them. And those are generally much shorter. Um, the foreign media outlets also have an opportunity to ask questions. So there's not a, it's not a long thing. Sometimes they're very short. So, you know, there are not that many opportunities right now for, you know, these rules to go in effect. Now, we would argue just as a you know, the board would argue, but also just me as a, per, you know, as a reporter there, I would argue uh, we should have more press conferences. So, um, you know, I just haven't heard anything about it. The two-page letter outlining the new rules for a White House press also includes the statement, the view from here is that the White House interaction with the press is and generally should be subject to a kind of natural give and take 
President Trump believes strongly in the First Amendment and interacts with the press in just such a way. It would be a great loss for all if instead of this give and take and instead of relying on the professionalism of White House journalists, we were compelled to devise a lengthy and detailed code of conduct for White House events. Do you think this is simply the kind of idle threat the president employed in his real estate developer days in New York City? Or do you believe that there will be further attempts to curtail the freedom of especially the White House press? You know, I'm just not really sure. So for the first, you know, let's let's take him back a minute. Let's go all the way back to before he was president, but he was uh, he had been Donald Trump was elected, but he had not been sworn in yet. So he's president elect. There was lots of talk then that they would kick reporters out of the White House, that they wouldn't have briefings or they'd have them somewhere else. Um, that, you, you know, in the White House, not only is there a briefing room, which you see on TV with 49 seats and then people are also standing, the press have workspace there. Um, you know, McClatchy has a desk there. Um, you know, most of the big organizations have workspace there. So there was all this talk about, well, we're not going to have the workspace. We're not going to have the briefing room there. And then in the end, it was very traditional, right? There were briefings almost every day. Uh, the workspace stayed the same. Uh, they did not kick us out. And, um, you know, so, it, you know, I don't know if that was just a threat or people were just thinking about it and talking about it, but it didn't actually happen. So on the one hand, they didn't follow through on some things. But on the other hand, uh, here here with Jim Acosta at CNN, there was not even a threat that I know of. They just revoked his, his credential. So, you know, it's not, I really can't tell what they're going to do, right? Sometimes they say things and it doesn't, they don't follow through and sometimes they don't even say something and then they do, uh, you know, have this harsh um, penalty. You know, I did not think that, you know, I did not think that Jim was treated fairly, right? His, it, that was disproportionate to what they were saying he did. So it's hard to tell what they will do. I will tell you that a lot of the White House press corps, after this happened with Jim, were thinking, were worried that if they did something, that they would have the same repercussion. The same thing would happen to them, that their uh, credential would get revoked. Do you think that was the intended effect by the White House? I think, I mean, I don't really know because it didn't really say, but I mean, it's clear that they wanted to make him an example simply by announcing it and talking about it and that sort of thing. But also, if you look at the rules you're talking about, I mean, at the end, they say if people don't abide by these rules, they will revoke their credential. So, I mean, it's clear that that's, that was sending a signal to everyone. I'm speaking with Anita Kumar, White House correspondent for McClatchy News and board member of the White House Correspondents Association. You're listening to Trump Watch. My name is Jesse Lent. Anita, beyond the new rules and the typical press bashing rhetoric from President Trump, what do you think is really behind this fuss over follow-up questions? Does the president really feel threatened by a CNN reporter was it the subjects Acosta was mentioning, as I said earlier, about immigration, about special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into Russian collusion, or simply a made-for-TV spectacle to enhance his brand or maybe shift focus? Well, I don't think President Trump is afraid of follow-up questions. He had, uh, you know, if you look at the rest of that press conference, it was lengthy. He answered a ton of questions. He doesn't answer when he doesn't want to answer. And he's no different from other presidents in that. I mean, 
sometimes you don't want to answer a question. You don't. <laughs> you you can, uh, you know, maybe not in a formal press conference, but in other settings when they're more casual and someone shouts a question, if you want to answer it, you do. If you don't, you pretend like you don't hear it or you ignore it. That's not that's not unique to Donald Trump. Um, that's, you know, every president is in that situation. He answers lots of questions. He doesn't answer lots of questions. I mean, it's clear that, you know, Jim uh, Acosta and CNN, I would say, have had sort of a, you know, you know, a touchy relationship with President Trump for, you know, months or maybe since he's been in office. So it might have been that. It might have been the particular person. It might have been the particular question. Uh, but if, you know, if you look back at that press conference, uh, he a- answered a lot of questions, but then he also pushed back on other people as well. Now, they didn't have their credential revoked, but if you'll remember, he said someone, I believe it was that press conference where he, he pushed back and said something was a racist question. Um, he tried to move on from some other follow-ups uh, with other reporters and just kind of called on someone else. So, I mean, I don't think it was unique to Jim, but but it did get carried further than, than with the other people. So, uh, you know, I think that's a little bit of what the White House, that back and forth the White House has with CNN. You began covering presidents in 2012. How would you compare the job of covering uh, President Trump with that of his predecessor, Barack Obama? Oh, gosh, there's so many things that are the same and there's so many things that are different. Um, Clearly, the men are different, right? The personalities are very different. Um, You know, for a while, until recently, I would have said that the day was similar in that, you know, there was this daily briefing. um, You had the same sort of interaction with the press staff. You know, as a reporter, you can sort of walk into where their offices are and you can walk up and talk to them and ask questions. And you still can. Um, so that interaction, except for the briefing change, has been pretty similar. Obviously, the amount of news is very different. The Obama administration tried very hard, uh, like I think a lot of presidents have, to have sort of a message of the day. They, there was a lot of news, but it was very, um, you know, they were on message, on point. Here was what we we're going to talk about today. Here's our policy, and we, we don't want to try to deviate from that. With the Trump White House, um, you know, First of all, they step on their own message all the time, right? So they're releasing things and talking about things, you know, it might be 10 things a day. Um, There's not one theme of each day. But also, there's so much other news because there's so much other drama, right? There's a staff shakeup or a, um, you know, something happening in the Russia probe or something else. So there's so many different things happening a day. I mean, I think that's really the biggest difference is that, you know, with the Obama administration, it was busy, but this is so many different things happening all at once, um, and they're all over top of each other. Um, you know, the other thing, and I, I feel like this has to be mentioned since we're talking about the media, and I, and I want to, you know, give this White House some credit on this. We have way more interactions with President Trump than we did with Barack Obama. So there's still a pool, the small group of reporters going into most of the same events for each president, right? There's a foreign leader visiting, you know, the pool goes in or the the president's leaving on Marine One and reporters can gather there to see him leave on the helicopter in the back of the White House. So those things are the same. The difference is that Donald Trump often 
not always, but often, many times, we'll engage with reporters. If someone shouts a question, depends on what the question is, or I guess the mood he's in, or what he what he wants to say, but they'll oftentimes have a back and forth with reporters. It was, I wouldn't say it was rare with, with President Obama, but, you know, it happened and it happened some, but I wouldn't say it was an overwhelming amount. Now it's happening all the time. Uh, the president sometimes walks back on Air Force One and talks to reporters. He'll often talk when he's leaving the White House. So there's just a lot more small, short opportunities uh, to try to catch him. Uh, and it's catch him directly. So more him and less his staff. Particularly in light of what you just said about the uh, the access that Trump allows reporters where do you think this hatred of the press, uh, a frequent theme for this president, both on the campaign trail and during his administration, where do you think that comes from uh, with Trump? Is it simply a popular look for his base, something to keep his supporters fired up? Uh, you often hear people like Howard Stern, who knew Donald Trump before he entered politics, say he actually really loves reporters. So. Do you think this is some kind of subterfuge by the president or a real deep resentment for the fourth estate? I think it's a couple things. I think that he does like uh, good press, right? He does want good publicity, and he sees things, and it annoys him, right? He likes good stories, and he doesn't like bad stories. I mean, I guess that's pretty <laughs> that's that's pretty logical there. Um, and so, you know, but I think he also loves the press. He loves... Um, you know, that he's on the front page of papers. And he he talks about this, you know, I'm good for your business and that sort of thing. So I think he has a sort of a love-hate relationship with the media. Um, The other thing is, and I know this to be true because I've talked to several of his advisors about this, it does play really well to his base. It's a good, um, you know, sort of political issue when he's out on the campaign trail to rail against the media. Um, they, you know, he has strong supporters that want to hear that. It works well for him. You know, I, I think it does sort of rev up his base, and I, I think he's very well aware of that. So part of it is strategy. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you. I've been speaking with Anita Kumar, White House correspondent for McClatchy News and board member of the White House Correspondents Association. You're listening to Trump Watch. My name is Jesse Lent. I'm going to a town that has already been burnt down. I'm going to a place that is already And that's going to do it for this week's show. Ken Gale engineered this program live. You can hear all 96 episodes of Trump Watch with Jesse Lent at soundcloud.com slash trumpwatchwbai or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter and join us again next Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. when we'll break down a different aspect of the Trump administration. Until then, I'm your host, Jesse Lent. Talk to you next time. WBAI New York, 99.5 FM and WBAI.org. They never really seem to want to tell the truth. I'm so tired.